0: Hello, and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. What's going on, Matt? Nothing much. This is a cool, calm weekend. Cool, calm weekend for Championship Sunday. Yeah, it is. Football, (laughs) and uh, a lot of basketball. A lot of good basketball this weekend. Now that... It's taking over the Saturday slots. (laughs) Oh, man. We got some really good games yesterday, Saturday. We're recording this on Sunday, January 20th. And, man, the games yesterday were bonkers. Paul George (laughs) hitting the and one for the win for the Thunder. Much-needed win for them. Um,
1: And then the
0: Rockets coming back.
1: In overtime.
0: That was a fun those were fun games.
1: I'm so glad to have it on Saturdays. Oh, it's, it's just, so good.
0: It's just like that time where like football's just like coming downhill. It's almost
1: over. Don't get me wrong, like I I want to see my Patriots do well today. But, sure, sure. But at the same time it's nice to have some really fantastic basketball mixed in there too. Yeah. Forget about college hoops, it's all about the NBA. Scoring forty points really- <laughs> in a game. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Uh, Before we get into uh, the meat of our podcast, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch Pod, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you're not already, we appreciate you listening right now and we hope you continue to listen in
1: the future uh, Matt why don't you uh, recap episode 13 so we talked for a good while about Tom Thibodeau, his firing, good what's riddance. next for him and the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves uh, we, our big topics were midseason thoughts we talked about um, the Nuggets and, and some other people we talked about rookie check-ins, repicking the top five um, how guys like Luca, DeAndre Aiton, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marvin Bagley, uh, what's going on, and maybe how it should have been. Uh, we get some thoughts on all-star voting, how the conferences and this front-court, back-court idea is crap, um, <laughs> but also who's getting in. Um, we, we touched on that a bit. And then on games of the week, I had the Blazers and the Pelicans game. I had the Blazers winning by five. The Blazers ended up winning by 16. It's pretty close on the score count. Uh, Blazers won 128 to 112. Ryan's game of the week, uh, as he just alluded to, was the, Thunders, the Thunder... 76ers game he had predicted the thunder by 12 ended up thunder by two since paul george saved russell westbrook once again and ben Um, simmons was too scared to pull up from three can't do it um a fantastic game though so really good games of the week yeah really good uh and we talked about it some but
0: maybe it's time for the pelicans to tank palooza blow it up (laughs) blow it up Uh, uh also, did you see Luca get ejected last night? For kicking the ball? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fantastic. I love that. So good. Um, so, in this week's NBA news, uh, there was some Kyrie drama, as there seems to be every other week. He's saying
1: a lot of things. <laughs> he says
0: a lot of stuff. So, uh, this came after the Celtics beat the Raptors last week, uh, and he pulled up from the logo and sent sent a dagger. That into... was the
1: ultimate screw you to Brad Stevens <laughs> and his inbound play in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just clear out and hook a three. Um, and then, like, afterwards, he had some comments. The biggest takeaway, though, was that he called LeBron to apologize for his time in Cleveland. Um, whatever that means, because I guess he now understands what it takes to, quote-unquote, lead a team.
1: I hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, it's just kind of an interesting question, and it poses the question, and a lot of people were talking about this week is Kyrie in the right or like is he what like what from a Boston fan I'm interested to
1: hear your perspective on this Matt I am glad Kyrie is self-aware enough to say I was an idiot and I may not have done in the NBA like correctly like he can score we all know he can score and do ridiculous things with the ball in his hands but he didn't handle himself right and now like he can see what he did wrong and so he's going to do better on that side i'm i'm very much for like this revelation he's had (laughs) but on the other side he's kind of in that statement he was like i had to call lebron and tell him i'm sorry for being essentially like a punk for the first like five years and and everything and he didn't realize how hard it was to to be a leader when guys are like that and in my mind i'm kind of like so is this a backhanded thing towards everyone else? Are you still calling Jalen Brown a punk? And like, I didn't realize how hard it'd be to lead a guy who's acting like an unprofessional or, or not seriously. Yeah. And so it's like, are you trying to say this as like i I'm turning the corner, but you're still like backhanding everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of the impression I'm getting from it. But I watched them and like Kyrie still trying to get these guys, the ball, he, when they're on the floor together, like I thought, fo- was it the Memphis game they had the other day? And Kyrie's just driving and kicking out, and Jalen was just ready and was shooting, and it's just like those types of things tell me maybe these these comments are just comments. And once we get 60, 70 games in, like they start to realize, like, and I say they, I mean like the everyone else's, like, oh, he he has a point. Like we got to turn it up, but. I don't... Is he in the right... I guess. I think it's the right intention. Again, I'm still not sure if it's coming off the way he actually means for it, too, though.
0: Right. Like, he just seems to keep putting his foot in his mouth, like, no matter what. Like, he doesn't seem to have, like, clicked, like, maybe I shouldn't stop making comments like, to reporters about teammates. And and I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of interesting from the outside looking in.
1: Yeah, and it's like, we don't obviously know everything, but part of me is like, you know, can you rein in some of these comments and yeah. just like say them just not when there's 30 reporters in your face Right. say them like to the team <laughs> like I don't know maybe that's direct communication will work out a little better um, I'm, I want Kyrie to be the leader though because mm. I want there to be a pecking order with yeah. the Celtics and he's very clearly the most talented player on this team like by leaps and bounds and so part of me wants there to be Kyrie and everyone else and everyone else follows Kyrie and plays off of Kyrie same way like last week i talked about like or a couple weeks ago chris paul falling mm. in line because james harden's clearly the number one and everyone else fills fo- in around james harden that's what i want here right. Kyrie's the guy everyone else fills in and if this is how he feels he needs to see his point across i may not agree 100 of the time but i agree with trying to establish the pecking order
0: as odd as this might sound it feels like the celtics are brewing for a championship season like, you know, legit, like, like, legit, like, can you tell me, can you point to a team who's just like, everything's been all smooth, who's won, like, a championship recently,
1: that's a good point. and then all
0: of a sudden, <laughs> like, I feel like a championship team has drama at some point.
1: Yeah, just because, like, something, they have the people, and something just isn't working for 20, 30 games, and, like, you're gonna have to work out all these little kinks and issues and people being people. Right. Problems.
0: It's like, once you get to the playoffs, I think a lot of this will be solved. Because a lot of, like, the Jalen Browns, the Jason Tatums, like, understand at that point what it takes. Because they did it last year.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Maybe without Kyrie, but that's okay. Like, now you're just
1: adding one of the top ten best players in the world at the sport. In theory. In theory. (laughs) That makes you better. But uh, I guess we'll see.
0: We'll have to see. It was just kind of some interesting... Dra- NBA drama. Uh, Boogie Cousins made his debut against the Clippers, and my lord! A- as I just said, the Celtics are brewing for a championship season. The Golden State Warriors might have put this away.
1: They laughed at you all the way <laughs> from the bay when you said that. Um,
0: uh, he hit what like three or four threes in that he, game. He was he lo- three
1: for four, from and three. he
0: looked really smooth doing
1: it. Yeah, I mean, he fouled out, but whatever. He looked a little out of shape, but
0: that's it well, to I mean, be he's expected
1: coming off a torn Achilles right. and yeah, and all that. Um and like the game or two games before that, like they just absolutely rocked the Nuggets yeah. and put up like fifty one in the yeah. first quarter. And it's like, oh yeah, we can talk about Boston and these other things, but it's like if if Boogie is Boogie or at least eighty percent of what we know he can be, and then everyone else is doing what they in theory should be able to do, Golden State is ridiculous. It
0: was <laughs> so it was ironic. I caught Steph Curry. Um, so. I think it was, like, a offensive rebound or something, so it was, like, a scatter play. And, like, Patrick Beverly was kind of on Steph Curry, but not as you should be on Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. And Steph Curry was pointing at Boogie for someone to get him the ball after the rebound. It's yeah. like, oh, God. These guys, yeah. like, they get it. Like, they're just, oh God. They're going to go, like, 12 games every win say the they're, they're probably
1: about to run on and go on a streak here in the next month or so. And just run away with the West and then rest and come into the playoffs just fresh. That's scary.
0: Why do we even do with this podcast? (laughs) We shut it down. uh, On to more NBA news. Brooklyn uh, waving uh, Kenneth Freed and possibly joining Rockets um, because Clint Capella is missing significant time with a hand injury okay I don't know what that does for I, I think it's depth <laughs> yeah at, the, at that
1: point another. You-
0: Pick and roll guy that can yeah. work
1: with, if because they also have like Nene on their team still, who just kind of <laughs> is coming back. And so, like, if in a playoff matchup, you want Nene out there because you're playing Oklahoma City and Stephen Adams, I would understand that. If you're going against a team that's more spread out, I could understand maybe wanting to play Farid more. Could you imagine the Rockets and Nuggets playing and oh gosh, Farid getting the playoff one? That'd be so good. Yeah, that would be <laughs> dunking really <good>. on Jokic. <laughs> that would be hilarious.
0: Uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, left hand injury out for one to two weeks, and that's what we were talking about earlier with Pelican's time. Maybe it's time to tank.
1: They could very paint. easily go 0 and 7 with him out if he misses the and full then two weeks.
0: Finally be out of the playoffs. Um, Clint Capella, as we alluded to earlier, out four to six weeks with torn ligament and right thumb. And the Nuggets are hopeful Isaiah Thomas will turn in February, which could be a huge thing for them, but. I don't know. With the way they got schwacked by the Warriors, that might not matter. Does it really
1: matter? Yeah. But, I mean, as, again, as a Boston fan, as someone who really enjoyed watching Isaiah Thomas, understanding why we didn't pay Isaiah Thomas, but watching him, like, I want him to do well. I, I really genuinely want him to do well.
0: He's, like, one of those guys who probably deserves a big contract, but, like, just because of the timing he came
1: into the league and, like, when he got good. He just may never get it yeah and that sucks but it's just how it happens every like every few years it happens to like one or two guys yeah. it's just like you just hit the market at the wrong time and like alan crab does not deserve 18 million dollars but he hit the market at the right time right so and Turner, it, it happens those. yeah <laughs> um so let's get on to our main topic here, our
0: big main topics. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference, because we haven't done a lot of that recently. Understandably. <laughs> Understandably, yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about Milwaukee first. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they're the best record in the league, 34-10, and 10, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, and we, we haven't talked about them outside of Giannis, really. And his MVP candidacy, like... And that makes sense because Giannis just seems, like, so, like, otherworldly. Like, you just want to focus on him. But part of the idea of this for us is this is a really good team. This is not just Giannis carrying a bunch of nobodies. The same way, like, I feel, like at times other teams have had to do that like Kevin Garnett and and the like 06 07 Timberwolves Timberwolves and yeah and like borderline LeBron with the Lakers or LeBron when he was with Cleveland there towards the end without Kyrie like just carrying a bunch of nobodies um Milwaukee's got a team in terms of, like, advanced stats, I feel like they're top five in everything. Offensive rating, defensive rating, offensive field goal percentage, (laughs) defensive field goal percentage, rebounds, assists, like, pace of play. Like, they literally play a near perfect brand of basketball, like as much as you honestly might be able to. Without so what, having five all stars on your team. So what you're saying a coach is important. Oh god, like Mike Boonholzer. <laughs> it's <laughs> as crazy. compared to Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty. Oh my god. I mean like
0: he he's made a, a massive difference and it's essentially the same roster.
1: Yeah. Like, like minus him. Jabari Parker. And adding Brook Lopez. Like, that's really all you you changed. So, this idea of a pecking order, we, we know it's Giannis. And in case you're not aware of Giannis' stats, he's at like 26.5 points per game, 12.5 rebounds per game, 6 assists per game. And there's also Chris Middleton. I would say those two guys are like the pretty clear-defined guys on this team. Middleton at 17.5 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. So, like... Even though he's taking, like, a backseat to Giannis, and understandably, like, that's borderline all-star numbers for Chris Middleton. Even though I feel like it's Giannis with the ball 24-7, as it should be. Well, the interesting thing, I
0: think, too, is that Giannis sits quite a bit. Like, he doesn't play that many minutes.
1: He doesn't have to. If if they come out and play from the very beginning how they want to, they can start blowing teams out pretty early on. And I think that's that's important to then preserve – like, unintentionally preserving Giannis. Right. But it's just because you play such good basketball at the beginning of a game. Like, you don't have to play him 40 minutes a game. He's averaging 33 right now. Um, that's pretty good. That's and, really good. Yeah, and Middleton's at 31. So, it's like you have enough other guys where you can set your best player for 15 minutes. Like, I just can't imagine – Someone else, like, I can really think of an East that, like, you can send him for 15 minutes and be like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And, but it's because you have a team. Yeah. Not just because that one guy is almost as good as the next. It's just because your team is so well-rounded. And so the rest of the starting lineup this year, if you haven't got to watch Milwaukee very much, it's been Bledsoe, running point. Malcolm Brogdon at the 2. Middleton plays the 3. Giannis plays the 4. And Brooke Lopez, like we said, is playing the 5. Splash Mountain. (laughs) Splash Mountain. Such a good nickname. That's Um, a really good nickname. And yeah he's taken like the most ridiculous amount of threes this year he's at 6.6 three-point attempts per game i love it and it's like man what do the lakers need (laughs) right now oh wait brooke lopez who they just let walk for the minimum (laughs) in milwaukee it's like oh you could have switched uh javel mcgee for brooke lopez and like that would have been so much better but you didn't and i don't and, he, like, he's a California guy. Like, he played basketball at Stanford. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> you had him at home. He chose with- Milwaukee
0: over Los Angeles. Like, you, you had to do nothing. Like, you had to do nothing. Like, not talk to him. Yeah. like To not get him to I, come back.
1: Yeah, I'm very seriously more interested in, like, hearing, like, what happened there. Like, why like the Lakers decided like, we're going to move on from Brooke Lopez knowing what he ended up getting after trading for him. Yeah. So that's the rest of their starting lineup. All those guys are just really solid players. All of them are at 12 points per game or higher. And then you get to their bench where it's like their bench. If their bench was just a team, it would be like one of the bottom teams in the East, but as a bench unit it just works so well. Like, you trade for George Hill in the Matthew Del Vadova trade. Mm-hmm. So, you got George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Tony Snell's having a pretty good year. They have had this revelation of DJ Wilson, who they drafted a couple years ago in the first round out of Michigan, hasn't played, and then all of a sudden this year is like a really just solid bench player. Ilya Sova, um, when he's healthy, Sterling Brown, Dante DiVincenzo, and... Don Maker McCur, I think it's actually how you say it, but um, like they're they're twelve deep, yeah. And any playoff matchup, they pretty much have a variety of dudes who can do just about any role, and you can make and like fit them wherever you need them. And I'm talking about Mike Booneholder again. He's done a fantastic job this year of making that work of like putting these guys in spots and like, yeah, outside of their top two, it's whoever's playing well is going to play. And I think that helps guys like Eric Bledsoe because Eric Bledsoe to me is like, if he's not motivated, yeah. I don't ever see the best Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like his uh, series against Boston last year where he asked who, who's, who Terry Rogier was after getting torched by him. I
1: know. <laughs> and it's like, that didn't light a fire, but now it's a contract year. Yeah. So now we're seeing really good Eric Bledsoe again. <laughs> and he's like playing defense and everything. And sure enough, someone's going to pay him and then he's going to do the same thing for three right. years and then contract year, play well again. But anyway, like I just, I love what they built in Milwaukee mm-hmm. knowing like they haven't had a lot to work with. You can't really get free agents to Milwaukee. You yeah. you traded for Eric Bledsoe, you got Broke Lopez on the minimum, Pat Contin's, I think on a minimum, and like you've just kinda had to build this roster in like a very unique way. And it's like Giannis became probably more than what most people ever thought Giannis would become, but outside of that, like every middling team in the NBA, which we're going to talk about some of them here in a bit, (laughs) need to look at what Milwaukee did and try and replicate that. Like best, best. I mean, like
0: they've just hit on their picks. Like Brogdon. like that's a big win for them. That was an early
1: second round pick. Yeah, Chris Middleton, like and like Giannis is the home run, but like. You got to hit on some of them. Like, DJ Wilson was a one of those mid-teens, I think, or yeah. early 20s pick. And he it took him a year or two, but he's come around. You found Sterling Brown. Dante DiVincenzo looks to have some good skills. Maybe Thon Maker you took a little too high, but if you didn't feel good about... That was the 2016 draft. It's not very that, deep. Was, that was just so weird and terrible. And so, you... You kind of just took a, your best guess, like most teams were that yeah. year. And so, like, okay, so you missed on one out of your last what feels like seven draft picks. That's incredible. Yeah. Most teams that fe- I, I feel like we're talking about in the middle hit on one out of seven. Right. And they've hit on all but one, really. And even then, Thon Makers played well in, in flashes. He,
0: like, I, he could be suitable. Like, shot blocker, athletic freak. Like, whatever you Mm -hmm. want
1: to put him into. I still remember watching him in the playoffs against Boston last year. And, like, he would weirdly be putting up, like, four threes a game and making them all. Yeah. And so it's just, like, he can do some really random things. And when they come together, it it looks really cool. (laughs) But when it doesn't, he's a complete disaster.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, like, and some guys, we'll talk about it later. But there's some guys who just, like, take some time to develop, and maybe yeah. that, that's it. Um, More of a second contract guy. Yeah. And, and that's okay. But, like, I, Milwaukee's just done what small market teams are supposed to do. Draft well. not Like, just hit on trades yeah. when they need to. Like, go and get Eric, Eric Bledsoe is a really nice yeah. piece to get the ball out of his hand some. Yeah. Go and get George Hill's strengthen your backup point
1: guard position. Yeah. And finding good value in the free agent market. Right. Not not overpaying and stuff like Like that. Like, Brooke Lopez on the minimum, like, he could probably be making... Oh, he should be much closer to the... 10, 10, 10 yeah. 12 range per year, but it just hit the market at the wrong time, and there weren't a lot of people looking. No cap room. And, and yeah, and so part of me is like, I wonder what he's going to get when he comes back onto the market this year, um, knowing he's an, a year older, and Milwaukee really can't bring him back because of the minimum, right. like how much they can offer him next. Like, it's just not feasible but he should be he like they're really getting like a plus 10 million dollar value there yeah if we think he's a 10 12 million dollar player and they they have him for two like that's incredible and that's what the bucks have done so well over the last few years is finding those types of guys and so this is the bottom line with the bucks though for at least this year do you believe in them See that pause there gives
0: me second thoughts, but I think yes, I think yes. What do you? What's your definition
1: of believing?
0: I think they can make the Eastern Conference Championship. Okay. I think they're one of those teams who aren't like you look at the East. I think the Sixers. I don't like. If you were to ask me this question about the Sixers, I would say no. We've talked about that. But the Bucks, like Giannis, he just seems to have a different like gear this year. He does. <laughs> like, he, his mindset has changed. And he's like, after that Boston... That Boston series loss might have been the best thing for the Bucks as an organization moving forward. Yeah. Because they could just... Like, this could put him into quote-unquote Kobe mode and just like, come on. Like, we're, we're winning series now. Like, we're winning yeah. games. I Like, I feel like they match up pretty well against the Raptors.
1: I, I, their games this year have been real fun.
0: <laughs> like, I, it's... Giannis and Kawhi, like Chris Middleton. I don't, it's just like an interesting... I think, I think, yeah. I think they can make the NBA Finals.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Yeah, when I think Believe in the Bucks, I'm kind of still in that Eastern Conference Finals range with them. But I wouldn't be surprised if yeah you know, they do go farther than that. Now, I w- I'm not sure... I would pick them to win a championship because I'm assuming Golden State gets there. Right. And at this point, I can't pick anyone over Golden State in the NBA Finals. So, with that in mind, I can't take them that far. But I think this team, like, they've taken steps every year to become better. And if last year, I think it was the second round they got bounced. And so, this year, if they can get it to the Eastern Conference Finals, like, that's another step but with knowing, like, you're not being able to bring back Brook Lopez, Malcolm Brogdon, you're going to have to pay him, Eric Bledsoe, you either pay him or let him walk. Chris Middleton's like, up this year. Yeah. Like, this, part of me's like, this This might be it for them. Yeah. And, like, this might be their apex. And knowing they're a small market team, they can only do so much, like, bringing guys in part of me says like you shoot for it so at this trade deadline that's coming up here in the next couple weeks like if you feel like there's a move out there that helps your team you got to do it because this might be your only year to really shoot for it yeah and so I'm that's why part of like I wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the championships because they know like this is it this is our chance and Giannis is in his prime playing the best basketball of his life and it's not getting better than this yeah so Part of me is like, if they know this, and the players know this, because most time players know this, maybe they're, everyone kicks it into that extra gear, like the way Giannis has seen to all year. Mm. So I believe in the Bucks. Maybe not as a championship mean, but I believe in the Bucks more than I do, you're right, like Philly or Indiana, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, man, I feel like I- Ilyasova, like some of their bench pieces, like they could cut into that depth and make a, p- make a big time trade. Well, that's the thing, like... But then... Like, the money doesn't work out. They don't have, like, big contracts necessarily to yeah.
1: go get a big player. George Hill, if you want a big player, George Hill would have to be in that trade. Yeah. Along with probably Ilyasova, one of these other bench guys, and a pick would probably have to be included in that to, to get a, a dude that we're, I feel like you have in mind. What? Like, who would be out there? That's, and that's the next question. So, yeah, that's, that's part of it is, like... Is, is any Eastern Conference team trading to the Bucks? I don't feel like there's, like, resentment towards Milwaukee, but at the same time, like, you just know, like, that's a team you're going to have to play. Right. So, part like, the first one, like, when you said that, because I haven't thought about this too much for them, is, like, oh, God, Bradley Beal. Yeah. Like, I don't know if Washington would be willing, because if Washington, like their owner said, is never going to tank. Um, have <laughs> fun being stuck in the so, NBA middle for the rest but of But, like... <laughs> that would be a team like that would be interesting because then they could build their depth since they don't have any Um, that way, along with a pick or two, it'd probably be a couple picks if you're going for Bradley Beal. But if you're looking at for something like not quite Bradley Beal level, part of me is like, go pick Miami. Like Miami has so many like mid, like middling contract guys at like 10 to 15 million dollars a year like you could probably go steal one of those guys away you could maybe go over to I don't know maybe the clippers or or the kings or minnesota or something like that and try and steal some guys there there are teams out there it's just how how creative is milwaukee willing to be and I don't know if they want to disrupt what they have. Yeah, that's, that's another I,
0: point. Is you have so your four they're forty-four games, in as of this recording, so that means you have less than half your season yeah. left to get these guys thirty-eight, to gel, 38 regular
1: season games
0: um, to get ready for the playoffs. And I think you're pretty much spot on with the this is their year. Like if they're gonna do it, this is their year. <laughs>
1: So, do you shoot for someone just so big that, like, it doesn't matter if it takes them a little bit to get integ- integrated? They're just so good that it doesn't matter. Like, that's, like, the Bradley Beal level guys. But if you're talking about, like, the Miami type guys, I'm thinking, like, the Kelly Linux of the world. Yeah. Those type of dudes. Then, like, I'm not 100% sure because those guys need to find, like, the rhythm. Right. And, like, figure out, like, how to do it that way. So, part of me is, like, either just go big or roll with what you have and see what you can make out of Giannis. I feel like because of uh, Bootenholzer's background with the Spurs, they're going to stay pat and just roll with their guys. I bet so. But this is a team that over the next couple weeks with the trade deadline and everything, breaking out the trade machine, this is a team that I feel like I'm going to be spending a lot of time on trying to work on them. I tried to get Mike Conley
0: to the Milwaukee Bucks because I really like Mike Conley, and I want to see him win. But... There's no way to do it. There's no, like, logical way to do it without including Chris Middleton
1: and the Bucks aren't doing that. They're probably going to sign him to, like, maybe, a max deal. Maybe Bledsoe. Yeah, you're right, though. Like, it's tough. Like, it's tough to get guys on that high of money. To a team like Milwaukee, who has had to build through the draft and value contracts, like, yeah. it's just hard in that point because otherwise it just feels like you're trading a team away. Right? Kind of like how when uh, Houston and then LA made the Chris Paul trade, yeah. and it felt like Houston literally sent a roster yeah. <laughs> to the Clippers in exchange for Chris Paul. Yeah. So I don't midseason. I don't think they're going to do that, but I don't know. What are, you, what are you playing for otherwise? Right. Are you playing to win a championship or not? You play to win the game, Matt. Play to win the game. <laughs> you play to win the game. Okay, um, you want to add anything more on
0: the Bucks before?
1: I'm, I'm good. I feel like we've kind of caught them up
0: now. Yeah. I, it's weird to think that we haven't talked about the best team, in the, one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. Uh, on this podcast, but it was good to give them their whole topic. Now we're going to switch to uh, less fun. <laughs> fun to begin with, but then less fun throughout. Uh, our middle of the East. And it's starting with Brooklyn at twenty twenty four and twenty three. Yeah. But they've they've gotten hot.
1: Seven and three in their last ten. So they'd been on like a big losing streak for a while and they kinda of started to break out of it and then now they've gone on this just tear. And when We're not going to spend as much time on each of these teams like we did Milwaukee. So, shorter idea here. D'Angelo Russell has, I don't want to say permanently turned a corner, but he's turned a corner as of late. So, in these last 10 games, of those 7 wins, D'Angelo Russell is averaging 25.7 points per game, 7.6 assists per game. In the losses, one of them he didn't play. The other two... Um, losses he's only averaging 14 and a half points, seven assists per game so the assist he's doing a good job of being a creator still and i think that's a huge step for d'angelo russell because i was really concerned he was just a score he's proven like no matter what he's going to get around six to eight assists per game fantastic i I think that's huge for him probably that's kenny atkinson Mm. but then the scoring they still need him especially with Karis levert out we talked about him at the beginning of the year and because but he's been out and yeah part of me said shut him down this team isn't going anywhere but now I'm like, man, if Karis Levert can come back, D'Angelo Russell can play the way he has been, Spencer Dinwiddie, like, this is a team. The the thing is, like, this team's going to fight you.
0: Like, they're not just oh, going to
1: uh, roll over. No, if you get them in the playoffs, like, it's going to be, I feel like it's no matter what, going to be like a five or six game series of, like, really brutal basketball.
0: Yeah. You don't want to play him. And I, I asked this question to you off air. I'm going to ask it to you again because I think it's an interesting topic Do you think the Los Angeles Lakers would would prefer to have D'Angelo Russell right now?
1: (laughs) So he is 22 years old still. He's
0: only 22. It feels like he's been in the league for like 10 years. He'll turn
1: 23 in February. So that's part of it. I know, right? It feels like we've (sighs) been through this D'Angelo Russell experience. And it's like, oh, no, he's only in like his fourth year (laughs) right now. And I think that's part of it is like, he just so wore out his welcome in L.A., yeah. at least to the to the public right, and probably to the Lakers also, that like they were willing to move off of him. And part of that was moving off Mozgov, so that way they could clear cap room and do what they did this summer of getting Lance Stevenson in friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there's that, but it's like we were talking about, they had so many number two picks, D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. I don't feel great about any of them, but D'Angelo Russell, I'm feeling the best out of him yeah, out, of out of all, of the, all th- the options. Out of the three. At uh, this point.
0: Yeah. Brooklyn getting D'Angelo Russell, like, essentially stealing a pick from the Lakers because mm-hmm. they didn't have, like, a top... Pick when they should have for so long yeah. uh, was a huge get for them, and, and getting Karis, being smart
1: about picking Karis Levert, man, finding he, a guy who they knew was top ten talented in his draft, but had had injuries. You got to take a swing, yeah, at some level, yeah. Um, but it, it's a fun team. I had the I picked them to make the playoffs as
0: eight seed. Yeah. Way back at it. Um, and I also picked Jared Allen. I was really on the net strand
1: for uh, most improved player. I mean, Jared Allen's good. Like, he's averaging 12 points, nine rebounds, and a block and a half per game. Like, he's doing everything you want him to do. Yeah. And he's, I don't, probably he's like, he's playing a role. He's a good at his role. I don't know what his ceiling is in this role. With any team, really. Right. right. But especially the Nets. But that's just a really solid player who, if he can become Clint Capella... Like, that's really good. If you found that guy better in the draft... Defensively. Yeah, I think, Yeah, I think he is better defensively um, than Clint Capella. Although Clint Capella's been in more tough situations, so, you know. Yeah. But and you, you've you hit on as much as you could possibly hit on knowing that they traded the farm to Boston a few right. years ago. Like, this is a good team moving forward. And something else is they only have, like, $54 million committed for next year because D'Angelo Russell is going to be a free agent. Uh, you already got Dinwiddie on an extension, so that's great. Uh, Damari Carroll's coming off the books. Rondé Hollis Jefferson is coming off. Jared Dudley's coming off. Like they have money available, and so if you think of this core of Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and a dude, yeah, like if they're if they think they can be in the sweepstakes for a Kawhi KD esque player, like this is a really strong team moving forward in Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's
1: kind of a... I feel like it's a sneaky good team that could be long-term. With a good coach and just all, like being done the right way now. Yeah. Since they weren't, very weren't, before. <laughs> and now they figured it out. It was interesting, I think
0: at the beginning of the season when Karis LeVert wasn't hurt, the Nets GM made the round on a couple of podcasts. Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting to... Hear him talk about how like they had to change the culture and like how they had to right the ship. But I I, I feel as confident as I do in Brooklyn as any like up and coming rebuilding team, more so than others because they've hit on what they needed to hit on. But the rest of the East here is not going to be fun. About. These are
1: like <laughs> the rest is like the classic middling teams. So. Out of the best records, so next would come Milwaukee or um, Miami at 22 and 22. Just staying afloat at 500. God. So what keeps them at that is the team is completely predicated on defense. They're number two in defensive field goal percentage, number seven in defensive rating, and that's how they're going to win games. That's it's not really sustainable in terms of like postseason success, but. In terms of just regular season, getting through it, getting through the East, like it will do. Like the Bucks, Miami is deep, but Richardson and Wade are the clear leaders. Richardson's at 18-4-4 four and four per game, Wade's at 15-4-4 four and four per game, which the fact that Dwayne Wade is your second best player Yikes. is a problem, considering we're on his farewell tour.
0: <laughs> oh my like, lord. Like... When you need clutch minutes from a dude who's consi- who's like saying like yeah I'm out. I'm out like this is like Nick Collison giving the Thunder like significant minutes like a couple
1: years ago and it's just like he's taking the clutch shots too, like late in games and stuff like that. And he can only do so much and he's not, he's never really been a three point shooter. So it's like, he doesn't even fit in like the modern NBA per se. And yet he's still like doing well. Goran Dragic is out for this team. He we said on the pod a couple weeks ago, he was out for a couple months. So he's still got a ways before he can come back. Um, and by that point, we'll see where Miami is. But like, they're still running out Hassan Whiteside and and Point Justice Winslow now, which I, I'm not going to say Justice Winslow was a bust, but he is not what everyone yeah. thought he would be. And maybe everyone, including me, had too high expectations for Justice Winslow. But even running Point, like, I don't feel good about what he's doing.
0: It's weird because, like, even in positionless basketball, like, you don't know where to put him. Yeah, and that's a concern. Like it's he, like he should be a four, but it feels like he could probably be a five because you need to play smaller in this NBA. But they also have weird center issues with Hassan Whiteside and Bam
1: Adebayo. Yeah, who they drafted like really high, like in the top ten, a couple years ago. So like you you were invested in him now, but then you paid Hassan Whiteside twenty five <laughs> million dollars a year, so you're invested in him too. I feel like Justice Winslow, like should have been fit into, like, the Draymond mold. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a good defender. He's not as good as Draymond, but he's a good defender. He's worked his way up to 38% from three this year. That's good. On three and a half attempts per game, which for Justice Winslow, like, that's pretty much what I want. He's at four assists per game, which is fine. He's only at five rebounds per game, which I wish that was higher. But, I mean, being a little picky there and at 12 points per game. Like, part of me says Justice Winslow. Could be more. Should be more. But part of me is like, he's just kind of the epitome of what Miami is right now. Just this guy. He's like, (laughs) you think he has talent? He can do things. You have him on a pretty decent deal. And he's just kind of the epitome of like a 500 team. Yeah. And that's what their entire roster feels like. I mentioned like them as a team that might be a seller if things aren't working out. Miami's never really been a seller, but if this is just the year they realize it, that you can try and get some free agency money going forward. Like you have Tyler Johnson and Ronnie Magruder, son Whiteside. We mentioned Wayne Ellington, James Johnson, Kelly Olenek, like just a Dion waiters is back now. Dion kind Dider. of, kind of, um, but like all these dudes who are just on decent contracts, aside. From Whiteside, but just decent contracts, good players, but they don't fill out the team the same way it does in Milwaukee, because Milwaukee has star yep. and much better role players than what Miami has. It's like, how did Miami, a more large scale market, build this team? But aside from honest, like Milwaukee built a fantastic team. Right. Like that's kind of the discrepancy here. Like they just they were at the same spot and they just had different trajectories. It still feels like Miami's hung over from their LeBron days. Like, they never moved past it. Yeah. And Eric Spolstra, the same way Kenny Atkinson has kept Brooklyn afloat, Eric has kept this team afloat because I'm not sure how many coaches. <laughs> else. I mean, there may be, like, five coaches in the NBA who could keep this Miami team at, like, a competitive game in, game out, He's the playoffs.
0: He's uh, whipped out the 2-3 zone a couple times.
1: Man, okay, so the ringer was talking about this. Um on one of their pods last week, there's been more zone run this year in 44 games through the season than there was all of last year. Mm. It's mostly Brooklyn and Miami, though. It's mostly just those two teams, and it's just like completely confusing teams, because they're like, oh god, we haven't seen this since high school. <laughs> or oh, It I throws mean, off
0: the pick and roll game. It does,
1: because so many guys like, don't know how to run a pick and roll against a 2-3 zone, which it's not that different, but it does throw you (laughs) off. Like your spacing gets thrown off and the role man can't dive as easily and, and different things like that. So as long as your guards can fight over the top, like you can defend that. Um, I think that wrinkle, it's not something you can play every single possession, but a wrinkle every now and again, a few times a quarter, um, is something that Eric Spolster and Kenny Atkinson have built in really well. And they have the personnel to do those types of things that just continue building on this idea of, like, we don't have elite guys, but we got good enough guys who will do what we want them to do, and it'll make things tough. Yeah. And you'll beat us in a series, but in the regular season, you're like the Detroits and everything in the world like they're going to get frustrated and you can win those games so that's where miami is and it's just a really weird place because again they're not going to get a great draft pick right and they're just going to keep being in this middle of the first round and you and i have talked about that i feel like every single week like quit (laughs) just staying in that spot like either be good or be bad but like be one or the other (laughs) choose one and don't don't be
0: in the middle because that's the absolute worst, absolute worst spot to be in the NBA.
1: And then comes
0: Charlotte, <laughs> and Charlotte says, "Hold my drink." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like Kemba's been good this season, but then he's kind of cooled
1: off. In Charlotte? Oh god, he can't score forty every game. He's not quite James Harden, but he's he's still having an, an incredible year at twenty-five points, six assists, and four rebounds per game. It's just the rest of the team. Yeah. <laughs> That's bottom line what it is. That, opposed to other teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee,
0: we've talked about in mm-hmm. this podcast, they missed on like all of their picks. It feels like it. Oh my god, like I can't like Malik Monk. Where the where the heck is that guy?
1: I he's putting up like ten points a game. Like here's the problem with Charlotte as much as anything is like I can hate on those guys. Like this um, this idea of Malik Monk and Cody Zeller and and stuff like Frank that. Frank the tank. Frank the tank. But, like, Malik Monk's their third leading scorer. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. Like, um, at 10.2 points oh. per game. Like, Cody Zeller's at, like, 9.3. Like, Tony oh Parker's God. legitimately one of their best players. And I thought he was done. Nick Mattoom's giving you nothing. Michael Kidd Gilchrist is giving you near nothing whole bunch of
0: bricks from (laughs)
1: three they're still like not really playing miles bridges which i don't get he's playing 19 minutes per game and it's like you just drafted this guy in the top 10 i think it was and you're not playing him really and you're there's no incentive not to play him like (laughs) that was your rookie year candidate too and they're not playing like at first it's what i thought they would do is like ease him in at like 15 to 20 minutes per game and then just start let playing, it go. Start playing him more. And they just haven't. I mean, the shot hasn't looked great this year. And, and so I understand, like, the concern that comes with that. And, I mean, the three-point shot. But he's not taking very many because he's not playing very much. <laughs> like, how how can you expect guy, especially young guys, to get into a rhythm whenever they don't play? It seems like he gets in the doghouse. He does. Like, just, like, a ton. Like, I, just like yanked out they James. expect the defense to be better and it it should be better like watching some of their games and some of his play like he should be better defensively than he is at times and you see those lapses but i feel like part of it's the frustration that comes with the fact that he's only averaging seven points and four or three and a half rebounds per game and 19 minutes like he knows he should be playing more Because otherwise you're playing Nick Batum and (laughs) Tony Parker and like these guys, Marvin Williams at the exact same like spots, like that two through four spot. And it's like, why play those guys whenever you can play Miles Bridges and honestly get the same. He's the future.
0: These guys are about to retire.
1: I know these guys are about to get out. So this is where we're at with Charlotte. And I don't want to spend very much time on Charlotte because they they're frustrating. Um, (laughs) But like. Outside of Kemba, I don't feel great about anyone on this team. Because even Miles Bridges, like, I'm disappointed. It's not n- completely his fault, but I'm disappointed. in like, how his rookie year is going. Yeah. And, like you said, like, they haven't hit. Not hitting on free agents like jeremy lamb's like been a decent free oh agent God. pickup but like you as a thunder <laughs> fan like can, can tell us about jeremy lamb
0: oh geez man one of the worst things to come back in a trade especially after trading <laughs> james harden you get jeremy lamb um, and of
1: all of all players i know like marvin williams like these guys just aren't doing it for me and to me it's like Does this team – is this team going to be willing to say, like, we need to, like, shred some of these guys? Like, just take the contracts, rip them up, and say, see you later. (laughs) Like, I don't know, because then they brought in Mitch Kupchak now, who was with the Lakers for the longest time. And they tanked maybe on accident um, in L.A. So I don't know if that's kind of what's going to happen here. If it's going to be intentional, or if they're going to be like, we're just going to see what we can trade. And again, this is maybe one of those trade teams sellers at the deadline, but they're trying to get off of long term. I don't. I don't know. But I feel
0: bad for Kemba at this point.
1: Like he Parnie's just, he's like, no matter what they offer him, will would he sign it? Yeah. And it's kind of like Kawhi turned down the Supermax in San Antonio. Would Kemba, obviously, different situation turn down the supermax in Charlotte because it's like, where are we going? Yeah. And maybe he wants to explore elsewhere.
0: Like, honestly, this team needs to get bad before
1: it's good again. And and like Michael Jordan
0: hasn't really let them do that. Like he's been one of those, another person who's like, I don't don't want to do the process. We're not going to do that. We're better than that. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, cool. You might be better than that. But look where Philadelphia
1: is, and you're still in the same position you were when yeah. they started tanking. So, yeah. and part of me is like, How many, how many people can you get free agency wise to just come to Charlotte? None. None. <laughs> like, you've got to do it through the draft and then extend those guys and essentially control your draft picks for seven years and see what you can do in that time span. And then find like the value guys like Milwaukee has. Like, that's what you have to do and hope one of those guys hits. You hit on Kimba Walker. And then you did nothing uh, yeah. to really help that out. You tried, you spent a lot of money on dudes who didn't deserve money. And here you are, 22 and 23, in a year where the bottom of the East is wide open and you can't even get above. Take, like get to 500 <laughs> yeah. consistently. Yeah. So I like the coach though. <laughs> yeah, James Borrego coming over from San Antonio. I feel like he's got them playing just as well as I can.
0: I mean, with the piece you yeah, have, I don't. I couldn't imagine a better record. You've had to be team.
1: creative. Yeah. <laughs> With guys like Michael Kidd Gilchrist and trying to get Cody Zeller touches but like not run the offense through Cody Zeller but like he needs touches if he wants like a fully engaged Cody Zeller just things like that like he, it's part of this idea of he hasn't had a lot to work with and making the best out of a bad situation kind of the same way Atkinson and Sparago or or Spolstra I combine their names <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spolstra is it's just not quite looking as pretty as those other teams do so, the last team we we're going to talk about is Detroit. Oh, God. Um, I would say there's still, like, a slight step behind these teams, though. Um, mm-hmm. They're 20 and 25. Um, they're number one, though, in opponent three-point attempts and three-point percentage per game. So, like, they defend the three well. If that That's really the one and only thing they do well, but it's the one thing, and it's important in today's NBA. I think that's a Dwayne Casey thing, like, really emphasizing that. Similar to Charlotte, though, outside of... Um, one or two guys. In this case, it's Blake, who's at twenty six, eight and five. Who, his jump shot now, and like his ball handling and three point shot, it, like it's incredible to see Blake become what he is. He's like the default point guard kind of now. He is. For this team. And then Drummond, who's at sixteen and fifteen per game um, in terms of points and rebounds. Um, outside of that, talking about whiffing. <laughs> Detroit is just the poster child for this. So if you're not familiar with Detroit free agency and draft real quick, catch up. Um, Luke Kennard spent, I feel like the majority of his career in the G league up to this point, which we said to take some guys some time. Yeah. He's taking his time. He's playing, with him now but it's it's inconsistent stanley johnson um if you thought justice winslow was a bust stanley jo- johnson is even more of a bust um <laughs> at
0: least like, he's good at three at least just as good at hitting threes
1: and can handle the ball stanley johnson just he he hasn't materials like like into anything yeah it's like he's just a bench player and that's all he is and then henry ellison who like can't even get on the floor um <laughs> Spend, again, spending most of his time in the G League, literally just can't get on the floor for for Detroit. And you drafted him at like nine out of Marquette um, three or four years ago. Then free agency and trades. Um, I'm gonna read this in reverse order of how I typed it. So you got Zaza Pachulia. Jose <laughs> that one coming? Yeah, I know. Jose Calderon. Which it's like, why'd you give those guys money? Why not take a flyer on other dudes who have? Like, I feel
0: like I remember playing potential. with Jose Calderon and like. NBA Live like 2002. I know,
1: right? He is like 38. This chicken farmer from Spain, Um, but you signed him when really no one else was looking to. Um, You spent again another like low contract amount on Glenn Robinson, who I think that was like three or five million a year. Not a terrible swing, but not working out. John Luer, you gave like a four for forty a couple years ago. He's not really playing. Dealt with injuries. Langston Galloway, um, I, around I think he's around like seven million a year. So again, not worth it. Uh, overpaying for a guy who's probably a three or four million dollar a year player. And then, last but not least, your boy <laughs> Reggie Jackson. So I would like to add before we talk about
0: Reggie Jackson, because this this has been a long-awaited segment on this <laughs> podcast, is that uh, they drafted the Luke guy who finessed Sam Presti into a big contract. I even forgot his name because he's not even on the team anymore. Who are you talking about
1: and for OKC? Yeah. Who who are you talking about? The, the Duke Duke forward. Um. Oh, oh, Perry. No, are you talking about Perry Jones? No, not Perry Jones. He went to Baylor. Uh, who is it? Uh, Kyle Singler. Kyle Singler. Singler. Oh my uh, lord.
0: <laughs> Kyle. There Singler it is. So add that to your list of with draft picks, and then go in, trading for Reggie Jackson. Like I, I, I have not been more happy to see a NBA player's downfall. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, the dude's, like, not... Like, he's crap at this point. Like, he's
1: a backup point guard.
0: Like, And this dude wanted to start over, remind you, the MVP, triple-double machine, Russell Westbrook.
1: Yeah, not quite working out.
0: Let's talk about that for a second. Okay, because, go ahead. Because Reggie Jackson is, like, the biggest egomaniac I think I've ever witnessed in the NBA. And there's a lot of egomaniacs
1: in the NBA. Yeah guys who just like love themselves so much and he he just can't put up number I mean he puts up points kind of he's at 14 points per game but like he's only averaging four assists and they have like no guards on this team and yet he's still only at four assists per game he's less than Blake at Yikes. this point like that's where he's at and i i have no idea what you do with him cuz he still can't really shoot He's bumped up to 34% from three this year. Like, that's good for him.
0: Is, it, is Blake shooting better than him from three?
1: Yeah, Blake's at 36% from three. On, <laughs> on one more attempt per game. Ooh. So, Blake's a better three-point shooter. Blake's a better two-point shooter. Blake's a better passer. Uh, Reggie Jackson's better at free throws. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. That's literally it. Um... Yeah, no, that, I mean, he doesn't commit as many turnovers because he doesn't have the ball. But, like, yes, very literally, like, Reggie Jackson is a worse point guard than Blake Griffin, and Blake Griffin's six ten two forty. 240. Like, I, I can't even imagine, like... He's 28, so he's in his prime, too. Yeah, this should be, like, the golden years for him, and it's it hasn't materialized. And for me, like, with Reggie Jackson, you still have him for... This year and next year, like at 18 million a year, he's at 17 this year and 18 next year because he was signed to a five year, $80 million contract and you signed him to it. Like Detroit signed him to it because he got traded and then signed the extension. So you're right. Oklahoma City got out of that and it was the right time to do it they also got back kyle singler and you didn't pay kyle singler 80 million dollars that's that's a fair point that's a fair point so knowing that you made out on the good side you yeah as good as you could get for that but i'm sure from a detroit perspective now it's like you have to attach a draft pick to get rid of reggie jackson Because you have no good young players you can package with them to send out. Yeah. There's really no way to get out of this. They are the ultimate purgatory team. Mm. Because really, like outside, out of all those guys we've just listed, all you have left on your roster is Reggie Bullock, who you picked up off the G League scrap heap. And he's kind of materialized as a three-point shooter and that's really all I can do but that's fine Ish Smith (laughs) oh god and they're they drafted two guys in the second round last year who I think will be rotation NBA players like your eighth to tenth guys on your team that's all you got outside of Blake and Andre and so to me like this team is like Still pushing for the playoffs because otherwise, like, they can't build, yeah, with the contracts they have and how poorly they've drafted. Like, they can't build anything, so you might as well just shoot for the playoffs. And it's one of those, like, just really terrible situations. And it's like, Blake Griffin went from being this L.A. star to this. And his games got better. Yeah. But I just, I'm so confused with the Detroit. I like Dwayne Casey. I think he got a lot of crap in Toronto that he shouldn't have got. Some of it was deserved, but not all of it. And now he's just inherited a situation where he's making the best. Again, he's making the best out of the situation. And it's weird that all four of these teams have really good coaches that we've talked about between Brooklyn, Miami, Charlotte, and Detroit with Kenny Atkinson, Eric Spolstra, James Borrego, and Dwayne Casey. Those are good NBA coaches. Yeah. And yet this is as good as they can get these current teams. I think management should look at that then and say, like, look, we got four out of the top coaches in the NBA and this is as good as it gets. What can we do from here? And if that means blow it up, I'm all for a good blow it up. (laughs) If that means you're Brooklyn and you actually have space this summer to do something, then do something. But This is why the Eastern Conference is looked at as a joke, is this is what you have, making a playoff push. Right. Whenever in the West, like Detroit would basically be eliminated already if they were in the West. Charlotte would be in that New Orleans-Minnesota range. Miami, probably the same thing. Brooklyn would kind of still be fighting with the Kings. Like... But these are the six through right. six through eight. nine teams. Six through nine in the East. Yeah, and this is why a lot of people view the East as the lesser conference, even though the top is really good. So, last big point is knowing what we've talked about. Which of these teams do you think can work out long term? So I'm I, like I, we've alluded to Brooklyn,
0: and I believe in Brooklyn. However. There's this dude in Miami named Pat Riley. <laughs> Who somehow makes magic out of nothing. Right. And there's a couple stars coming up in free agency this year that I feel like will take a dinner with Pat Riley and then the next day be a Miami Heat player. I could see that. Like, Kevin Durant, like, he had... He had I think there was a quote from Pat Riley, like, after Kevin Durant signed with Golden State Warriors, and he was like, "Ah, oh, well... We'll get it again next next time around. Yeah. <laughs> something along those lines.
1: So I'm not discounting Miami. I, I don't think that would... I think that's a good idea. Because even if they can't hit the top-level guys, they're still definitely in play for the Chris Middletons of the world. Yeah. Like, that level of all-star type, but not team leader type guys... Miami, at the very least, should still be in contention for that. They would have to do more sign and trade type moves, but you're right, like if anyone can make it happen, it's got to be Miami and I think Jimmy Butler was like
0: I don't know, a player away from being traded to Miami mm-hmm. before he was traded to Philadelphia, so he could be like a Miami heat player.
1: In the near future.
0: In the near future. So, like, I'm not discounting Miami. I I think Pat Riley is smart enough to know and can convince players to come play with play in Miami. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard of a place to sell on top of being a legendary coach, a legendary
1: GM and oh by the way you get to play with an
0: awesome young coach yeah, who's really smart
1: and coach LeBron and like well respected across the league and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, you're right. Out of these four teams it has to be those two. Yeah, like, that's really it. Charlotte and Detroit are going the wrong way, trending down and trending everyone down. else is the other two are trending up. So I agree with you. Brooklyn and Miami If they can make this summer work out, it's a summer where a lot of teams have money, a lot of players are available, a lot of different moves could be made, sign-in trades or or just signings. I think you're right that those are the two teams who could take advantage and maybe not leapfrog any of these top East teams, but kind of get out of this middle ground that they've been in for so long.
0: Yeah, like you said earlier, either be good or be bad. Stop trying to be in the middle. Yeah, like it's annoying. It it, it it very
1: much does. Like,
0: for Detroit, I get trying to make a playoff push because they have a new building. Like, they want that for the city. But, like, eventually you have to get off
1: of Andre Drummond. Like, you, you just so? have to. I don't think it's working out with him and Blake. Part of me wants it too, so bad. Because <laughs> I want to see, like, this... I want to see a team do the Twin Towers thing, and it work. Yeah. And this is about as close of a good pairing as you can really get. And with guys at this level on on deals that are... I mean, Blake's is high, but, I mean, when you're Detroit, you have to take those types of contracts sometime. You're right. You're probably right. If that's what you have to package with a Reggie Jackson or John Lewer type to build a team, so be it. But... I, I want it. I biased, want it to work because I really like Andre Drummond. Yeah, as a player, I would want him on my team if you're paying him twenty million dollars a year. But I could see why Detroit needs to move off of him if you're going that other direction. So you're right. Sure.
0: Um. Yeah. I. I, I think it's Miami and Brooklyn. It'll be interesting to see if Brooklyn get a big name star.
1: Yeah, because really, like, this is the year to do it. Um whenever you have so many options like D'Angelo Russell you ho- you don't have to pay him because he's going into free agency but if you sign him that limits your flexibility going forward because at the rate he's going he's gonna command a, a deal yeah um, and you're not be able I thought like maybe you could find him at like 14 million dollars a year when the season started knowing what they had at the guard and wing position now though with the way it's going and the fact that they might finish above 500 and a competitive six seed his number is probably jumping up to the 18 to 20, 20, 22 range and that's that's one or two good role players on a team if you're gunning for championships or Eastern Conference finals so that difference might be enough to make Brooklyn say no but if they have to say yes it could hurt them long term in terms of future free agents that could pop up too
0: sure um let's move on to the game of the week. We've we've had we've talked about enough middling teams. Enough for this podcast.
1: Matt, who what's your game of the week? So we both have really good ones <laughs> this week. Um so Warriors at Celtics. Saturday Ooh. January twenty-sixth, seven thirty p.m. Central Time on ABC. Homer pick, just straight up <laughs> Boston 119, Golden State 115. Uh I I'm curious like how much Boogie's playing, like is he gonna play away games? Is he gonna play back to backs? This is a long road trip going out to Boston, so part of me is like, considering Boogie might not play, or if he does, it's limited. So I'm feeling good about the Celtics. They're starting to turn a corner again. I feel like start to turn the corner lose to Orlando yeah. and Miami. Start to turn the corner lose to the Knicks or something like <laughs> that. Um, part of me is like building the confidence and maybe this is one of those playoff type games that we were talking Like They realize like, oh, this is where we gotta figure it out. So part of me is going with Boston. Homer pick. Yeah, but 119-115. It's, it's going to be a fun game. That, those games last year were fun. They, they
0: are. Kyrie seems to be going at uh, Steph, Steph And that that's Always lots and of I fun And I just want to
1: see What happens with Marcus Martin Someone Yeah <laughs> Like he's just been Getting into it With everyone him lately and Dr- Him and Draymond Please <laughs> Oh my gosh uh,
0: My uh, Game of the week Is Raptors at Rockets On Friday uh, January 25th at 7pm central time and it'll be on ESPN. I think uh, the Raptors are going to win 132 to the Rockets 125. No defense. No defense. Uh, It might be an overtime game because I feel like Rockets Mm. have played nothing but overtime games.
1: (laughs) They they don't know how to win in the first 48. (laughs) They gotta pull it out in overtime. Uh, And I also it would be interesting to see Kawhi uh, Kawhi and James Harden go at it. Battling. See if they put Kawhi on James Harden at all or if you're just gonna let James Harden get his 50 and stop everyone else I I love that idea of do you put your best guy on the guy who's going to score or do you put him on the next best and just take away everyone else I'm very interested to see what Nick Nurse does because James Harden's on the most absolute ridiculous tear offensively.
0: Yeah, he has like, last, 100, like 10 years. 160 points. Like, all of them
1: are unassisted. <laughs> it's the so last stupid. Games. <laughs> like, it's just all pull-up threes and free throws, but it works. <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of, like that
0: 2016 Russell Westbrook MVP season, where it was just like, get on my back, let's go. We're winning these games.
1: And he's doing it.
0: He's doing it. It's impressive. Or not impressive to some people, I guess, but... Points are points. Points are
1: points. That's how basketball works. <laughs> more points normally wins. If you haven't learned anything on this podcast, <laughs> I hope you can take that away. <laughs> the team
0: with more points usually wins. Um, well, that's it for us this week on the Couch GM Podcast. Thank you so much for, for listening. Remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. Uh, we appreciate you for listening. And this is our first episode in the new year, Matt, over an hour ah that's okay it's okay but we've done better we're not at an hour and a half so that's better there we go resolutions that we're not giving up by the end of january (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening and we'll see you back next week